and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dahlman. Today, I am once again joined by County Administrator Scott Stevens. Welcome, Scott. Well, hello, Renee. It's great to be back. It's great to have you, and I think it's only been a month this time. Um, I think you're right, but man, they go quick. They Ooh. do. So, um, well, you know, lots of things to talk about, I think, or at least I feel like there is. Mm -hmm. Um, I do uh, hope everybody enjoyed Thanksgiving wherever they ended up. I know for me, it was a very nice time with family and uh, to, just to be away from the office for a few days. So I hope others enjoyed that. And we're moving right on into Christmas and New Year's and whatever thing people do throughout December. And so uh, I do, as a reminder, just want to say, you know, it's a happy time for most of us. It certainly is for me. Uh, but I also know it's the first Christmas that folks will have a loved one that's not there, or they'll be sad or lonely or whatever, or financially uh, feeling a lot of stress. And so we just need to make sure we're looking out for one another throughout the holiday season, really year round, but the holidays seem to bring more of that. So while it's happy for most, um, look after each other, I guess, is my message to myself and all of us as we go through this month. Um, other reminder on a maybe happy note or not so happy, taxes are due December 5th. So if you missed that, uh, uh, you need to make sure you get in with our treasurer's office and make amends there. So I, I do appreciate our residents paying those. It certainly supports the activities that we provide for the community. And it's important that we all, uh, I guess, do our part in that. Um, and then beyond that, I want to mention at least one staff change that's recently occurred at my department head level. Uh, our police chief, Eric Peterson, announced his retirement uh, the week before Thanksgiving. And I do want to thank him for his 28 years of service to this community. He's been here a very long time and seen a lot of change over his 28-year career. Uh, and I wish for him a very happy and long retirement. I enjoyed working with Chief Peterson, really a good personality. And again, I do wish him well throughout his retirement. Uh, with that said, we we do have then a vacancy in our police chief role, and our assistant chief, Tony Dahlman, has agreed to serve as our interim police chief. And so uh, I have very high confidence in Tony's ability to carry us forward through the coming months, uh, whatever period of time we'll have him as interim. Uh, we are going to go through our hiring process. It's six months or so, uh, depending on schedules, and um, so there'll be more to come. So uh, when you see Chief Dahlman, thank him for his service and congratulate him on his interim appointment and from where I sit, we'll, we'll be in good shape for a period of time. Uh, we do still have vacancies in the police department. I've touched on that before. Uh, that number has continued to increase. Uh, fortunately, we do have uh, some new hires coming on board. And so we'll have some new uh, officers in our Jan in the January Police Academy, but they really don't get back out till early, well, late spring, early summer. So uh, we still, I want to thank our uh, police officers and staff or uh, in lots of departments for covering the sort of shortages. Policing is one of those areas very visible, but we do have shortages in a lot of our county departments and we have staff that are working to fill the gaps and make it seamless, or at least that's our hope to the citizens we serve. So with that, Renee, I think I'll move into the board meetings. We've had a couple since we last uh, met and feel free to interrupt or clarify or slow me down anytime you need to do that. Uh, the board's regular meeting on November 8th, uh, they had three public hearings. One was a disposition of property, uh, Moortown Road, um, and really it was for housing, and the board did approve that. No one spoke for or against that at their public hearing. Um, they had a, a special use permit with Branscombe with a re resource and recovery and aggregate storage facility on Blow Flats Road. Uh, there was an awful lot of discussion. They've had a mining pit back there for years. They have a lot of trucks in and out. This would add a few more trucks. And so there was a lot of discussion about traffic along Blowflats Road and concerns with that. And so 
the board deferred action on that item. They will bring it back. They were looking for a solution that might provide better access or a different route. And so I know that they are working through that and the applicant will bring something back uh, at a future meeting to talk about what they might be able to do. They also had an SUP for a grease outlet or really a recovery where uh, this company goes out and will get grease from our restaurants and bring it back and filter it and, and uh, dispose of it in a proper way. It's better uh, than all of the grease showing up at our wastewater treatment plants, uh, either by delivery and truck, is, which is the way it's supposed to get there, or through other um, sewer means. So this is a facility that I think we're seeing as a good opportunity in our community. Again, it was on Below Flats Road. It just happened to be very near uh, the entrance uh, to a Pocahontas Trail, Route 60, um, and not a lot of truck traffic, a few trucks per day. And the board did approve um, that special use permit. Uh, under their board considerations, uh, their November 8th meeting, they had deferred a battery storage facility on Below Flats Road uh, that they had held a public hearing on a month earlier. I'm not sure why all the activity on Below Flats Road in two meetings, but we seem to have a lot going on there, at least this month. Uh, they did ultimately approve the battery storage facility after they um, had some of their questions about safety and other uh, uh, questions answered by our staff. Uh, and so that project is able to move forward as well. And then they accepted a $300,000 housing grant that our staff had worked on. It's really moving utilities, but it's part of this Moortown Road uh, property disposition where we have allowed this property to go back to it can be developed into single family lots. And I believe Habitat will be the one working through that. Uh, this $300,000 grant moves some utility lines out of the way to allow those lots to develop. So I do wanna thank our housing staff for one, seeking the funds and the state for awarding the funds, but also sort of having the creativity to put this property that's not in good productive use today into uh, what will be future housing for some of our residents here. And then the board adopted their 2023 legislative agenda, and I'll come back and maybe talk a little more about their legislative agenda once I get through uh, their meeting updates. So the November 22nd business meeting, just ahead of uh, Thanksgiving, uh, we did have our Parks and Rec Department uh, do a presentation on a couple of items. Uh, the main was a reaccreditation where our department is one, an accredited department and is, has been. It was reaccredited uh, over the summer and officially announced this fall. Very proud of our Parks and Rec staff. It really speaks to their quality and caliber and the programming that goes on. And I think we all come to just think that's what they're supposed to do. But I will tell you, we are served by a very high functioning and well-run Parks and Rec Department. And the accreditation really uh, holds that or at least supports that. But we also uh, had made the announcement of a numerous awards that our Parks and Recreation Department had received at their recent annual conference and a couple of our staff members who received individual awards. And I just want to uh, ask folks to go take a look at that and congratulate our Parks and Rec staff. And again, a lot of good recognition for James City County across the state and nationally. Um, consent agenda for the board, a um, number of items there. Uh, we had, had the abatement of some unstaged structures on Merrimack Trail and Moses Lane, so those will move forward. We updated a memorandum of understanding between the county and the EDA um, that we had implemented some years ago, so we had an update to that MOU. We I can read my note. We The board approved a $1,000 bonus and a lead buyback ability for county employees that would be effective in December. They Scott, I'm sorry if I can yes. interrupt. I'll go back. The EDA, we did memorandum of understanding, but what is EDA? 
Oh, Economic Development Authority. Thank you, Great. Renee. And again, sort of two government entities, but the EDA is our economic development group. And again, it was a MOU, that a memorandum of understanding between the two. So thank you Great. for the clarification. Yep. Um, the board did award a $112,000 contract for replacement of the boiler at our emergency communications center. They awarded a contract for $219,000 for the replacement of the HVAC system and the locker room at Warner Stadium. Uh, they accepted $384,000 in grants that our staff had um, reached out for. The largest were for school safety officers, not police officers, but to have unsworn staff within the schools helping uh, with safety issues within our schools. Uh, we accepted 150,000 opioid settlement funds. And again, we have more of those coming, but it's part of the national settlement. Uh, there's a pretty significant amount of money coming to Virginia and 150,000 is our initial uh, allotment to be paid over a period of time. And it has to go back into mental health or opioid related kind of activity. So it's fairly restricted in what those funds could be used for, but the board did accept those uh, at this point. We also purchased property or they authorized the purchase of property uh, beside fire station four on Old Town Road. There was a lot that became available. Uh, while we don't have an immediate need, we thought it would be in our best interest to purchase that property um, so that when we need additional space for whatever and also limit some of the development in and around that fire station. And then they awarded a contract for 119,000 for the replacement of an uninterrupted power supply in our emergency communications center as well. Uh, in the board discussion items, uh, we went back and did an update of the American Rescue Plan Act funding. We had presented the $14.8 million that we had received last year and a plan that we thought was moving forward uh, would make sense for us in terms of use of that money. Uh, this was providing an update of where we were with those projects. Some of them are underway. Some of them are still in design or being discussed. And then we had a few minor modifications uh, that we wanted to make sure the board was comfortable with. So it was information for the board. Again, uh, this money has to be obligated by December of 2024 and spent by December of 2026. And it does have some pretty broad areas of use, but there are restrictions on the funds. And so we are monitoring that <clears throat> and making sure that we're in compliance with the federal requirements for those funds. We also have had a lot of discussion with our board about short-term rentals in our community, and occasionally we'll have one come through a special use permitting process in some of our zoning districts that is required. Uh, typically, we have set it up so that if we're in an area that does not have a homeowners association, that our board has uh, the authority, you have to come through and get the special use permit. So there is at least some oversight where maybe a neighborhood doesn't have that ability. So by zoning, uh, we have a number of people who have done that. So when we hired a firm to sort of help us figure out how many rentals are out there, how many short-term rentals. And they have shared with us that today, or at least recently, 363 are identified in James City County that they believe are unique properties. There are 33 of those that need a special use permit. So they are operating out of compliance with zoning and our zoning staff is reaching out to those individuals. Uh, they're also, those 363 need to have a business license and some of them will. Many of them probably do not, so we will be reaching out to them as well to try to make sure they're following the rules that most others in the short-term rental business or other businesses are following. So more to come on that, but some good discussion related to the short-term rental and getting our hands around that. And then finally, we did ask the board to add an item just so we could have some discussion with them. There wasn't a decision for them to make. It was more of an awareness, uh, but it was related to the covered slips at our marina. Um, 
the covered slips, I don't know how long they've been in service, but they've been in service a very long time. Staff has worked, our general services staff over the years to repair them and keep them in operational order. Uh, we were concerned with safety of, of related to these floating. They're a floating system where the dock floats and the roof floats up and down with the boats as well. Um, we did have a structural engineer look at it and a report completed this fall that basically said the system's at the end of its life. There are a lot of failures going on both in the floating system and in the roof above, and they were concerned with electric and other issues and the gangways going on and off. And they are in bad shape. I mean, we whoever installed those, we definitely have gotten our money's worth from them because they've been in service for a very long time. Uh, but the report basically said we needed to um, move on. And so we, talking with our attorney and our risk management folks, have just said we've got to get voters out from under that as quickly as possible. So we had that conversation with our board. Uh, we have since sent notifications via email to our slip holders of those covered slips. And it's 40 or 50 uh, boat owners. So the news would be unpleasant news, maybe not unexpected, but at least the timing that we have asked those boaters to make other arrangements and to please remove their boats by January 15th. Uh, we are concerned with safety of uh, people that might be under those roofs or on that system and then their property as well. So it is something uh, we are trying to be reasonable and work with and our staff spent a lot of uh, time in terms of options and looking forward or where they may go. Uh, we don't have space within our marina for 40 boats in the water. Some of the boats are easily pulled out on trailers. Some are not trailerable, and it's much more difficult to pull out. Some are winterized. There are other all sorts of challenges with the boats, and so we're trying to help the boat owners uh, provide options that are the least impact or disruptive to them. Scott, um, can I ask a question? And sure. I, I had this question while I was watching the board meeting. What are what makes a boat untrailerable? Um, I think for most of us, I, I would tell you, I've seen very large yachts moved on okay. tractor trailers. Gotcha. Okay. Special okay. kind of condition. So mostly it's the size of the boat. Gotcha. And so when you see trailers, boats going up and down the road, most of them are trailerable. You can pull them behind your pickup or some large vehicle. Uh, you get into the, some of the larger boats, 20, 30 foot boats, they just become more difficult to trailer. And then some of the larger boat owners and some of the boat owners, smaller boat owners, may just not own a trailer. So for okay. them, they don't have a trailer to pull it up on. So it's not as simple as just pull it out of the water. So um, that's, I think, the main part okay. of trailer bull versus un. There many can be put on something with wheels, but they may not own it and have access to it on a regular basis. Okay. There are lifts to pull the larger boats out and put them on stands so they can be set up in, the, in, in our yard. We do have space for that. But to do that each time with a lift on a large boat that you want to go out of the water, uh, is difficult unless you're set up in a dry stack environment. And we gotcha. do not have that ability. Okay, thank um, you. Yes, ma'am. So again, I think our board understood the urgency with which staff and our attorney's office is moving to get the boats out from under there. I think our boaters, while they um, understand it, are concerned about how they operate and, and disrupting where they are. Uh, we do have a few transient slips, very few. Um, so we can accommodate a few boats on a short-term basis. And then we have some some of the newer slips that uh, appear to be not used today, uh, they are rented. Uh, people have to sign annual agreements to rent the slips. And so we have folks that have signed agreements on the new uncovered slips, but there's no boat in the water. Well, there are a lot of people that don't use their boat in the winter. And so those slips might be available through January, February, and maybe March. And we're reaching out to those slip holders to see, can some of these boats that are under the cover be moved over there for a three-month period of time. And so there are other marinas around us that do have availability, so they don't have to go far, but it's certainly farther than where they 
are used to traveling uh, to our marina. So we apologize for that inconvenience. Again, the lease in the news that reported we broke leases. We have not broken any leases. We are just not renewing them. The leases are a year-to-year -year, uh, thing uh, for us, and we generally renew them in January. So we're not renewing the leases for the coverage slips this year. Um, the board did express support for adding more dockage, uh, and we can extend some. We dredged the basin. <clears throat> excuse me. We dredged the basin prior to the um, phase one project but we didn't build all the dockage. So we can build some dockage there. I don't know if it was 20 or 30 slips, but it's a limited number of slips there that we could put in place fairly quickly. And fairly quickly is probably three to nine months. So that's fairly quickly, still disruptive, but uh, by the end of summer, those could be in place. Where the boat slips, uh, the covered boat slips currently are, there's two, there was a third proposed. That area wasn't dredged because the boats and those covered slips were there. So does, to design, bid, dredge, and build is probably a two-year process. So um, uh, we may have some relief in terms of additional dockage in a year. It is likely two years before we're fully recovered in terms of uh, having the same number of slips again. So uh, I do appreciate the board's support and being willing to sort of advance those projects. Uh, they're in our five-year CIP, but it would move it forward some. And I appreciate the patience of our boat owners and uh, working with us to make the, the best of this difficult situation. Um, outside of that, Renee, I do want to mention we we've had, we'll have, have held on December 2nd uh, a joint meeting with the um, school division, uh, Williamsburg-James City County uh, School Division, as well as the Williamsburg City Council and our Board of Supervisors. We do this most Decembers to discuss the school system's upcoming capital improvement program request. Uh, and so they'll have that discussion. It will then float into the school board to approve their CIP at a later meeting and submit it back to us for consideration as part of our budget process in early 2023. So that meeting will have occurred in December. And then our board, the other meeting that our board of supervisors will have in December is their December 13th regular meeting. Uh, that will be at five o'clock. Uh, the joint meeting, I think, is nine o'clock, December 2nd the December 13th meeting at five o'clock. They are not holding a business meeting in December, so we're only meeting the one time. And then we will meet in January when you want to know after December 13th. Uh, the board has historically met that first week in January. Last year, they made a change to meet on their meeting day. So their meeting will be December 10th, where they do an organizational meeting at December 4 December 10th or January 10th. Thank you. It will yes. be, I'm looking at the right calendar and saying <laughs> the wrong month. So yes, January 10th is Tuesday at 10 o'clock, or excuse me, Tuesday the 10th. They will meet at four o'clock for the organizational meeting and then at five o'clock for their regular meeting. And see, that seems to make sense and not tie up more days than needed for those activities. Okay. Um, I do want to come back to the board's legislative agenda. That's really my, I guess, main topic I want to talk to, unless you come up with other ideas that we should speak on, Renee. But the board does generally adopt uh, each year in the fall a legislative program. Sometimes they're very specific to things within James City County. Sometimes they're broader, uh, just trying to share some of the concerns we have that other localities would be having as well. And so ours this year are generally pretty broad items. Uh, one is the school funding index, where how school state funds are, are allocated to localities for uh, support of our school division. The funding formula is very convoluted and very difficult to understand. Changing it, and we tend to pay a lot more than other localities. It's meant to be that the more wealthy communities would pay a higher proportionate share, which in concept makes sense, but it doesn't always work right in the funding formula. And so we're trying to make our 
effort is to make it a fairer formula. So that's something that is shared across the state. Uh, we did have a, a legislative item last year that we carried into this year uh, that was titled to decentralize the Hampton Peninsula Health District into three smaller separate districts. Uh, we're one of a few health districts where the health district has to serve six localities. That's a lot for one director and staff to serve six elected official boards in terms of each locality. And then you have your school divisions that they were involved in. And that really, I think, was pronounced during COVID and all the interaction and trying to keep people updated. It seemed to us that those with one locality and one district or not as spread out a district functioned better. And so we were at least having that as something that was concerning to us that we're sharing with our state legislators. It takes more money. We're not talking about taking the same people and just dividing them. We're talking about more resources in this area for our health department in general and creating um, separate districts so they don't serve as large an area or as big a population. We talked about impact fees and having authority for us to have impact fees as you have growth going um, in lieu of cash proffers. Uh, we talked about adequate funding for uh, things that we're doing that we believe the state should be um, supporting. We talked about grocery tax where the General Assembly was making changes last year to the grocery tax that if they do something that impacts localities, they would make localities whole as we do get a, a share of the sales tax that's generated from purchases. We would like to retain that because it's significant in our budget. It's our second largest funding source uh, beyond our property tax collection. Short-term rentals, uh, we were trying to uh, let the General Assembly allow us to continue the SUP process for short-term rentals in certain zoning districts. There's at least a push to sort of take that authority away from localities. Um, Virginia Retirement System, we were requesting that they uh, change the process that would allow police officers to retire and come back to work. Uh, the idea is that would help us in our staffing um, situation within police, not only in James City County, but across Virginia is uh, law enforcement is a challenge in many communities of having enough law enforcement um, employees or officers. So changing the retirement system that would financially benefit those employees and allow them to return to work and not necessarily be a detriment to the retirement system or cost of localities anymore. Uh, we were trying to encourage uh, the expansion of colonial behavior health uh, uh, and its campus here to help with crisis services operations. We had also being supportive of our legislative programs of our state associations and county associations, city and county associations and our co uh, coalition of high growth communities. So just trying to be supportive of their legislative programs. So nothing um, specific to only James City County, our legislative program this year is much broader than maybe it is some other years. And so we have shared that with our legislative representatives. And as we visit Richmond, we'll have those same kind of talking points um, as we go forward. Um, and with that, Renee, I think that's all I really have for today. Anything you would want to cover beyond that? I don't think so. I, I mean, you brought up Parks and Recreation and all of their great activities. They have plenty going on during the month of December. So definitely look for those. We're very fortunate here in the area to have amusement parks and historical parks. And just, I think you can almost find something to do <laughs> to celebrate the holidays every day in between now um, and the end of the year. So definitely take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, Renee. There's things going on in this community almost all the time, and certainly uh, the December time frame, there's, it steps it up another notch. So I think there's plenty to do. You might have to look a little bit, uh, but I would encourage people to get out, enjoy it. For me, it's 
60, 50, 60 degree weather is pretty nice. We need to enjoy that because the 30 and 40 degree weather is on its way. Uh, and somebody told me they thought this would be a snowy winter. I have no reason to believe that. But uh, for those that look forward to snow, um, it's possible in the coming months. And we all need to be prepared for those kinds of things as well. So I think with that, I would just uh, sign off and say, you know, always call if there are questions or things we're doing or you're wondering about. Please don't hesitate to give me a call at 757-253-6603. Again, that is my direct line, 253-6603. And I will return the call or make sure somebody does. If it's a subject that somebody else is better suited to uh, speak to you on, I'll be happy to ensure that that call is made back. So call with questions. And then, as I said before, the holidays are here. So Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays. And we'll just remind you to be safe, enjoy, and you know, look out for each other. Uh, I think we all have that to do day in and day out, but certainly through the holidays. So thanks, Renee. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. Well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please be sure to subscribe. That way you will be sure to never miss an episode. You can also find us on the internet at jamescitycountyva.gov slash podcast. And while there, you're going to be able to find all of our shows as well as a form that you can complete. Give us input, feedback, all those other synonyms for input and feedback. I'm not sure what I was going for there, but let us know what you think. And if there's anything that you'd like for us to cover, cover that we haven't, please let us know. And we will work on getting an episode for that topic. So once again, thank you so much and we will talk with you next week.